You're listening to The Good GP, the podcast for busy GPs. Hello and welcome to The Good GP. I'm Sean Stevens, and today I'm interviewing exercise physiologist Ryan O'Connor, who's an expert columnist in Australian Men's Fitness Magazine and inaugural winner of Australian Exercise Physiology Graduate of the Year Award. He's also a director of Absolute Balance here in Perth, and today we're discussing high-intensity interval training, or HIIT. Welcome, Ryan. Hi, Sean. Thanks for having me. Alrighty. So, Ryan, first, can you please tell us exactly what HIIT is? Yeah, so high-intensity interval training is essentially, in layman's terms, short bursts of exercise with brief intervals of rest in between. So we're talking between 30 to 45 seconds would be an ideal rest period. Okay, good stuff. And how do you know that you're exercising hard and fast enough? What, you monitor your heart rate or breathing rate? How do you measure it? Yeah, I mean, obviously with GPs would know a maximum heart rate is 220 take your age. Um, a lot of people these days use, I mean, there's so many, uh, you know, smart watches, Fitbits, et cetera, to use to measure heart rate. A good way of doing it without technology is a talk test, essentially. If you can talk, you're not doing enough work. So it, the modality of exercise doesn't really matter with HIT, whether it's riding a bike, walking up a hill, running, etc. It's really a case of the intensity. So to be getting good intensity to actually get the physiological benefits, you want to be roughly at 80% or above of that maximum heart rate. So if you're a 40-year-old, 220 take 40 is 180, and you times that by 0.8. That's roughly where you want to get to. Now, a lot of people don't have, say, Fitbits or want to use things like that and be hypervigilant with regards to intensity. So rate of perceived exertion, so but essentially feeling like <laughs> sweating, feeling woozy is, is pretty much, and not being able to talk is probably a good sign you're, that you're there. Okay. All right. I feel like that most of the time I'm exercising, (laughs) but good to know. Thank you. (laughs) So what are the benefits of HIIT over other forms of exercise? I mean, I think this is the the massive key. I mean, obviously it can burn a lot more calories in a short amount of time, which makes it more appealing for a GP to prescribe, in my opinion. The key thing there is getting the buy-in with the patient. Your metabolic rate after HIIT is higher for hours. It helps you lose fat faster. You gain muscle as well, improves your oxygen consumption. And then I guess the trade-off as well with comorbidities helps reduce your resting heart rate, blood pressure, and obviously um, glucose sensitivity in your blood lipids. So um, reducing your blood sugar, especially for those people with chronic conditions such as type 2 diabetes. Okay, great. Good to know. I guess our patients uh, who are a bit older and have a lot of comorbidities may need some screening before they undertake HIT. Is that recommended? Sean, it's an interesting one with regards to screening. I guess the first thing is it would depend. If the patient had, I guess, um, some sort of cardiovascular issue or they've had some events beforehand or whatever, I would say absolutely. If it's just a musculoskeletal condition, then I would say probably not. It's That's where I would, if I was a GP, say, okay, so what have you had? You know, that you usually hear the, the common one is, oh, I've got osteoarthritis in my knee. Then you would change the modality. You can still do hit on a bike. You don't need to be pounding the pavement, so to speak. I do think screening is important, but I think we can over-screen it, which can lead to a lack of compliance to actually engaging in this exercise. Mm, Okay, good practical advice. And look, I guess that is at the discretion of the GP. It is our bread and butter, prescribing exercise, screening people, but that's good advice. So if we look then at HIT, people talk about the U-shaped curve for exercise, as in the more you do, you get benefit to a certain point. Is there a point at which HIT is too much? You're doing too much of it? Look, good question. (laughs) It would depend. 
the short answer is for 95% of the population, the short answer is no. Many people think that too much exercise can cause all kinds of issues. Certainly, you can overtrain with regards to your musculoskeletal issues. So, you know, all kinds of things like, you know, ranging from plantar fasciitis to, you know, knee pain, shoulder pain, etc. But the main thing is there's really no such thing as too much exercise. John Hopkins University in America found that people that exercise more than three to five times of what the government recommends were radically less likely to die. So that's roughly between about 450 to 750 minutes or seven to 12 hours a week. Many people think that um, exercise uh, is going to cause heart attacks, but the truth of the matter is an analogy for that would be like, don't leave your house because you might get struck by lightning. The benefits far outweigh the cons of, of such exercise. I mean, you can keep descending down the list of things that hit, helps with regards to mortality, so stroke, diabetes, particularly um, neurologic conditions such as Alzheimer's. We, we kind of live in a bit of a comfort crisis in Western society. We go from air-conditioned houses to air-conditioned cars to air-conditioned offices. We sit for prolonged periods of time and we don't really, and our token, I guess, gesture with regards to um, overcoming this is throwing some trainers on and going for a run. Now, I'm not saying that that's not good, but it's certainly not enough in, in our opinion. Mm. Okay. Yeah, it is interesting. I mean, that's a whole nother one-hour podcast, but uh, <laughs> it's... Uh... The, caveat, the caveat to that is athletes. That would be my first thing. If someone was to ask me, you know, how much high-intensity exercise is too much, I would, if I knew that they were an athlete, there's certainly evidence there. Obviously, you need to have slow oxidative exercise to increase mitochondrial size, etc. However, for 95% of us, there is no such thing as too much. The more, the more you have, the longer you'll live. Great. Good to know. Okay. Look, Ryan, thank you. This has been absolutely fascinating. I was wondering if you could please give us three take-home messages that we can incorporate into practice. Yeah. If you don't mind, I'll take a step back with just with regards to high-intensity interval training. And I guess what I know and also anecdotally of what I've experienced, there's a famous exercise physiologist in South Africa called Tim Noakes. Essentially, he spent almost his whole life trying to determine why some athletes do better than others, but it's not just about athletes and why some people don't engage in high-intensity interval training. And he came up with the idea called the central governor theory. And over three decades, he's shown that exercise-induced fatigue is predominantly a protective emotion. So it's a protective emotional mechanism. Basically, it's a psychological state that has basically little to nothing to do with a person's physical limits. A lot of other studies have also looked at brain activity of athletes you know, to exhaustion, and they, so they essentially show that the limbic lobe, the emotional center of the brain lit up as intensity increased. And so the more active the limbic lobe became, the more emotion they tied to exertion and the more they slowed. So the brain essentially uses unpleasant sensations of fatigue to pump the body's brakes well before a person comes close to physical exhaustion. And I've actually anecdotally noticed that myself. I go to essentially a boxing club and I've seen 20-year-olds quit for 40, 50 and 60-year-olds. You know, you really have to callous the mind when it comes to exercise. And I think that's a, a key takeaway for GPs. Essentially, if I was a GP, I would look at the patient and say, what do you actually like with regards exercise and make it achievable rather than saying you must do this and it has to be every day i would say you know the seven days in the week exercise for four of them let's look at something a modality that you like let's just say it's cycling and you're going to do short bouts of high intensity interval training to combat whatever the case may be the comorbidities they may have that's probably the key message for me is that when i say you can't exercise too much it's also with a caveat that the reason why you stop is more emotional than it is physical Mm. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. I remember a friend of mine who does ultra marathons, you know, across the Gobi Desert and stuff. And he said running a marathon is 90% psychological and the other 10% is all in your head. 
So uh, <laughs> sounds like uh, that's what you're telling us as well. Yeah, 90% absolutely psychological and 10% physical. It's There's a lot of studies with regards to uh, athletic performance, but what's exciting nowadays is becoming more about the sort of the chronic disease patients and what's essentially stopping them. I mean, most GPs will be able to tell you that, like I was mentioning about the comfort crisis, there seems to be a sort of a lack of intrinsic motivation, but I think that's probably a, a bit of a harsh rap, I think, where a GP can make some really powerful influences with regards to that first consultation. And as you're aware, so referrals are great, but there seems to be a lack of compliance with referrals. Uh, a GP is really at the coalface and I think a little bit of knowledge with regards to exercise prescription or, or a lot of knowledge with regards to that and engaging them in something that they'll actually do and making it achievable goes a long way. Mm, okay, excellent. So engage with the patient, which is what we do all day, every day. Get them doing some exercise that they enjoy and that they won't give up on and let them know that they can do it yeah explain the emotional reaction that they'll have which is quite common i mean like you were saying yourself <laughs> high intensity interval training makes you feel uncomfortable discomfort is actually good for your mind soul and body so i think that's the key message there great okay look ryan thank you very much really interesting chat and yeah look forward to speaking soon thanks sean thanks for having me 